Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. I'm Steve Zockey, along with my trusty sidekick, Jeff Wolowski. Hello. And uh, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is David Hobbs. Where nobody knows a Honda better than Hobbs. Amazing vehicle selection in Glendale. David, how are you 61, doing, sir? 6100 North Green Bay Avenue in Glendale. Where not only you can get a new Honda, but they have a nice variety of used vehicles, too. Wonderful used vehicles, too. I'm good, thanks, Steve. How are you? We're um, doing fantastic. The weather finally broke up here. It's almost safe for you to return <laughs> Fair enough, I just seeing that because I've just watched the uh, the uh, six hour of of uh, Spa Francorchamps in Belgium, and they had ages and ages behind the safety car because of torrential rain, hail, and they had a final red flag with about ten minutes to go because it snowed. So um, yeah, so weather definitely better down here in. Florida than it is in Belgium or in Wisconsin, but it is improving. I will be returning. Now, I I know you've you've raced in the rain many times in a variety of vehicles, but have, did you have any? Uh, did you ever ever have to race in the rain? I know there's a famous photo. Oh, where was it? Brands Hatch or somebody of an F1 car running in winter testing, where it was snowing out. But I mean, was there ever a time when you had to race in the snow? Are there snow flurries about? Very close. At Silverstone in 1974, I was racing Carl Hogan's Formula 5000 car. He said to Carlo England for me to take part in the British Championship or some of the events. And we raced at Silverstone. And I have a picture of me and Max and our two little boys. Greg, who was 57 yesterday, was about eight, I suppose. And... Um, and Guy was about six, and we huddled there, and the snow is coming down uh, very hard. It didn't snow in the race, but it did snow during practice. So, um, But my very first race at spa Francorchamps was back in 1960. Well, actually, my first race there was 66. But my second race there it was in a GT40 for wire in 1968. And the old track then was nearly nine miles long, a lot longer than the current one. And, of course, it was all public roads uh, surrounded by barbed wire fences, telephone poles, and houses. Um, I mean, right up to the road. And it rained for the entire six-hour race. 
And Jackie X put on an absolutely virtuoso performance coming through at the end of the first lap with a 35-second lead. Um, and uh, me and Paul Hawkins came fourth in that race, and it rained the entire time. I think it took us about seven or eight hours, and it was supposed to take like five. Um, so that was my experience at, at Spa, where it does rain a lot. And, of course, when the Formula 1 guys go there in uh, after the break, at the end of August, it very often... You know, very often can be very iffy the weather there. So, um, yep, I have raced in the rain quite a bit, Steve. And there was a, even a one time, if you want to tell this, uh, this is one of my favorite stories. Uh, I think it was, a, is this at Spa where you, you broke down by a farmhouse and you knocked oh, on the door? Yeah, that was the first time in 1966. Now, <laughs> that, was a hot, that was a hot day then. And I was driving with a guy called Jochen Neerpash, who went on to, well, he was a very winning driver in Porsche, and he went on to be the competition manager of Ford and then ultimately BMW when I drove for them. But he drove the first stint, because it's a six-hour race, so he then got a couple of stints each. Um, and the average speed was pretty high. It was around about 145, 150 mile an hour average through these wooded streets. And anyway, he comes in and gets out of the car. And then he gets out. He says, oh, by the way, Hobbo, it's just a little bit, it's running a bit warm. <laughs> so when I get in and do the belts up, the 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 Temperature gauge is absolutely packed. I mean, it can't go any further. <laughs> oh, great, Jochen. So I go bollocking off down the road, and um, I only did about four laps, I think. Um, and finally, the thing, you know, had tried enough. And, uh, and of course, in those days, as I said, houses were right next to the track. So I trickled up the hill from Stavolo towards the start-finish area, which is about another three or four miles away yet. And uh, there was this farmhouse with an open yard, and I just trickled into the yard and stopped and got out and shut the door and went and banged on the farmhouse door and took my helmet off. And the guys, ah, come in and watch, come in and watch the race with me on the television. So <laughs> I went into this house and had a cup of tea and watched the race on the television. <laughs> Fantastic the stuff. Uh, last week we had uh, the Baku Grand Prix in manhole covers, uh, which is ad. I've, you know, we, we've seen this in the past with tracks. We hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, manhole covers became a, a, a an issue. And, I, I mean, we've been running on street courses for quite a few years now, even going back to when you ran at Long Beach and the first one uh, was at 75, 74, and the yeah. first one was an F5000 yeah. race. I mean, is that an issue that shouldn't we pass be past this? I, th I thought they welded all the manhole covers down when we raced on the great Well, they're supposed to, yeah. I mean, it, it should be an issue that doesn't rear its head because there have been enough street races now over the years to know what to do. Um, and obviously they do have to weld down manhole covers and drain covers and everything. Um, and, of course, the thing is man manhole covers are heavy. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're solid iron and they probably weigh about 50, 60 pounds. Uh, and you pluck one of those suckers up and it hits the bottom of the car. I mean, George Russell, who ran over it, was very lucky because it ripped the bottom of the car right out. And, of course, you know, as you know, in those Formula 1 cars and Indy cars, I mean, your backside is like, you know, an inch and a half off the ground. Well, those manhole covers are a good inch and a half thick. Um, and it did pretty much destroy the car. Um, and he was very lucky not to get hurt. And, of course, the car could, you know, those big, hot, sticky tires 
and fling it down the road and, and hit somebody else. So, yeah, I mean, they got they got over the issue. It was in practice. Uh, but it did cost Williams valuable time and, and money, which, quite honestly, just at the moment, they don't seem to have. But, yeah, they should have got over that by now. Um, of course, when we raced at Spa, I don't suppose for a minute they thought about welding down the manhole covers. <laughs> and we didn't think about it either, really. So, <laughs> you know. But as you say, Azerbaijan turned into be another interesting race. Um, Ferrari showed such colossal speed in testing in winter in Barcelona, which is the next race. Um, and everybody was, you know, muttering to themselves, oh, my God, when we get to Australia, they're going to walk it. Well, so far, they have not done very well in as much as um, Mercedes have won all four races so far. And... Uh, and come first and second as well. Um, and the one place they thought would be Azerbaijan, the Baku circuit in Azerbaijan, because it has the longest straight. It's over a mile long. Um, and they thought the Ferraris would you know, just go so fast down there they'd be uncatchable. But it didn't happen out that way in the end. So um, it turned into a, a relatively interesting race. Um, I- but the two Mercedes did kind of disappear. Yeah, it's certainly frustrating because you're thinking, okay, this is the race Ferrari's going to step up, and then it's next race. Okay, this is the race where they step up, and then you see that start that Botas and Hamilton had. You're at come, you're like, come on, come on, guys, come on, catch them, catch them. And it's like, oh, one, two. You know, it's like, okay, now what? Can it's they get them on the pit stops? Vettel, Vettel is so. I mean, he is a demon starter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Botas just made an absolutely staggering start from the pole. Um, and showed no mercy to Hamilton when they went into turn one. Uh, and Hamilton sort of looked pretty racy going to turn two and three, but then he kind of uh, dropped back and then faded a bit. It was like seven seconds behind at one stage. But they had control of the race all the time. And, um, you know, the uh, the Red Bulls with the Honda engine, uh, Gasly was quickest in free practice two um, by dint of a bit of good towing, drafting down the, that big straight. Um, and they showed pretty good form in the race. They weren't that much slower. And Verstappen and the guys at Red Bull are saying, pointing the finger at the car a bit too, not just the engine. They're saying that the car aerodynamic needs to be changed a bit because they are not as quick as they've been through some of the corners, uh, but they're still a bit slow down the straight. But the Honda engine showed good reliability. Um well, we did have one fail, but um, they did show good reliability. Is uh, Monaco the next race where we think that maybe somebody like Red Bull or somebody can step up and actually uh, compete with uh, Team Mercedes? I think you're right. Now, Barcelona is coming up next week, um, but that has a couple of well, – it has one very long straight. Right. And it, and it has a couple of two pretty good straights. Uh, but the Red Bull has always gone very well there. Verstappen, of course, winning his first Grand Prix there uh, in his first race in the Red Bull, holding off Raikkonen in the Ferrari, which is a pretty stout effort. Um, and I think the Honda engine has got more power, has, has seems to have a bit more reliability. So they might not, they'll be pretty quick in uh, Barcelona. But two weeks after that, more of a weekend, I really think the Red Bull could come into its own and look very, very, very fast. Um, because Red Bulls always go so well at uh, Monte Carlo because, uh, you know, Adrian Newey, the designer, has 
has got the aerodynamic and chassis dynamic uh, compromised down to probably, you know, has been the best car for the last couple of years, but it's been down on power. Now, if it's got equal power, I mean, places like Monaco, um, it could be very, it could be quick. should be quick. Switching gears to uh, IndyCar, uh, IndyCar probably reached its zenith uh, in in the most recent history in the early 90s when Mansell came over from the Williams team and, and ran with Newman Haas and won the championship. And you had Emerson Fittipaldi uh, come out of retirement and run so well in IndyCar and that. And then you had uh, the split, you know, with the IRL and cart whatnot, and IndyCar kind of fell uh, to the wayside a bit in the in the standing of, of the world world motorsports. I'm speaking with, about uh, recently, though. IndyCar has been gaining momentum, uh, especially with Fernando Alonso racing uh, two years ago and coming back with McLaren. Now this year, you have Marcus Erickson coming over running. Uh, uh, in IndyCar this year, has IndyCar raised its overall kind of status from a world point of view in motorsports? Do you think? I think it has, and if it hasn't, it should have done. Um, I think people in uh, Europe are being a bit sort of, you know, a bit obstinate about the success of IndyCar because the last couple of years, last three years, you know, you've had like seven, eight, nine different winners in a series with only like 17 or 18 races. Um, I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal. Um, we've had guys like Dixon, you know, winning at Mid-Ohio from the back you mm-hmm. know, three years ago. Um, so I think it's got a lot of uh, a lot of good racing left. We saw the race at Coda, which was uh, which was very exciting. The Long Beach race was a, was a bit of a bit of a yawn, um, but. Um, no, I think that uh, IndyCar racing is, you know, coming back to where it used to be in the old days, you know, because you've got a, you know, you, you have a stock chassis. When I say stock, I mean, you know, everybody's got the same chassis, just a, the different setup that the teams do. And, of course, you've got two power units, the Chevrolet and the Honda, which seem to be pretty evenly matched. The Honda at the moment are looking very strong this year. Um, so I think that the upcoming two races at Indy, the road race, uh, which is that next week, the road race. Yes. Um, then, of course, you've got qualifying and the race itself. And as you say, for the 500, Fernando Alonso is going to have another go. Um, and I expect him to be competitive. Do I expect him to just win? No way. I mean, there's no way he's going to just take on people like, um, you know, like Scott Dixon and uh, Alex Rossi and people like that who now uh, Alex Rossi's got a couple of years behind him. I mean, he's a fast kid. Um, and then, of course, you've always got the overpowering teams of Penske. You know, mm-hmm. Will Power, um, <clears throat> they're tough, tough guys. Um, so it's going to be no cakewalk for Alonso, but I, I do expect him to, you know, really show well there. And, of course, you know, the Indy 500 <clears throat> is a bit of a lottery. Um, it's a long race, 500 miles. You tend to think of it as, you know, just like any other IndyCar race, but 500 miles is a long way. Um, and strategy can change, strategy can make them up. And, of course, it can make a huge difference to strategy. And, of course, you also need that bit of luck. You know, you just stop at the wrong time, and the caution flag comes out in the next lap, and all those sort of misfortunes can befall you at Indy. Um, and they're very hard to recover from. And the cars are so evenly matched that, you know, if you're a lap down and you're lapping at the same speed or even slightly quicker than the leader, you, you can never make it up unless you have a bit of luck. 
So um, it is a lottery, and I expect it to be a very, very competitive race again this year. And obviously, super fast. The cars are very fast this year. So, um, no, I'm looking forward to a very good IndyCar season. And I think they've made a very wise move in, in taking on NBC to do all races. You know, the, the last mm-hmm. few seasons has been split between ABC, who, who've always done the 500. I think this year will be the first time that ABC hasn't done the 500 for 50 years. Um, and I think the NBC crew are going to be right up to it. And of course, they've got Danica Patrick as one of their analysts, so that'll add a bit of interest to a lot of a lot of people who would be just casual TV viewers. You know, to have Danica on board, I think, will be a big help for the uh, for the broadcast team. And of course, I'll be led by uh, Ron Tarico, and and of course, Lee will be calling the race. So, I think it'll be a very good show, and um, I know they're hoping for good ratings. But I think having the same broadcaster for every single race this year will go a long way to solidifying IndyCar's place in the motorsport structure of the USA. And I think that they can only grow more and more because it, it is very, it is a very competitive series. It certainly is. We're chatting with a uh, motorsports commentator and author, David Hobson, the great Midwest bank hotline. In fact, you'll be making your triumphant Midwest return to Indianapolis, uh, Indy 500 weekend at Indianapolis doing a book signing. So it'll be your chance, the listener, to come out and meet David Hobbs and get a signed copy of his book and some memorabilia, too, uh, at the Indie Memorabilia Show, which is going to be held at Indianapolis, right in the grounds of Indianapolis, which is free on Saturday. And it is one of probably one of the funnest days at the track, uh, besides, of course, the 500 itself. And we get about 100,000 people there. It, it's a lot of fun, a lot of people there, uh, autograph sessions and whatnot. And, of course, yourself, David, you'll be there, uh, which uh, we did that last year. and It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? I should be there with you, Steve, and Sue, I'll go down. And uh, I should be selling my book off. You'll find a stand there. And um, last year, that memorabilia hall was very, very busy, very crowded, a lot of people. We sold quite a few books, if I remember rightly, so... Hope we can do the same again this year. Should be a lot of fun. And we were telling people, a lot of people hadn't seen you in a while, those uh, involved in the race and at the Speedway. We were telling people, you know, this was your first time you've been back at Indianapolis in the month of May <laughs> since 1976. Well, I'm flipping through, and, and you and I both were like, oh, yeah, 76. I was, and that was the last time you drove in the race. Now, you'd been there a few times when the U.S. Grand Prix was there and you were doing Speed Vision and whatnot there. Uh, yeah. with the TV tell, but it was your first time in May. So I'm flipping through one day on YouTube, and they had, I believe it was 1989 IndyCar uh, final day, bump day, or some some type of coverage with Bob Varsha, and there's Bob Varsha. And then from the side, who steps in but David Hobbs? And I had totally forgotten about, as, as apparently you have too, that you were there with Varsha, and I think it was 89 or 90 doing uh, qualifying. You know, I'd forgotten all about it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I think it might have been 89, because I think Daly, yeah, because then then Derek Daly started to do that, so. But I I still didn't go to the race that year. I just didn't. Correct. Right. So so I was right that I hadn't been back to the race, but uh, yeah, you're right. I did do qualifying with with Bob Varsha, and I I get a feeling that Bob Jenkins was involved in that somehow, too. Yeah, I, I believe it, it was a split where I think they did, you know, part of it might have been on ABC and then part of it might have been on ESPN. Mm-hmm. But, 
yeah, it was, it was premium. Oh, yeah, there's Hobble. Okay. Well, so <laughs> so, once again, uh, thank you uh, for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And uh, this is my last in-studio show. for. Well, actually, I'll be down in Indy next week, and then I'll, I'll be actually back here uh, qualifying weekend. We'll do a studio show, Jeff and I, and then I'll be uh, back down in Indianapolis again. So looking forward to that and uh, seeing you. Uh, 500, 500 weekend. So thank you, David. And, uh, any predictions coming up on Barcelona next week? Well, boy, I mean, the way that the Mercedes, you know, got that act together, you, you can't help but think that, uh, one of the two Mercedes is going to win. Valtteri Botas is leading the championship by one point at the moment because he did the fastest lap in Baku and that gave him an extra point. So I, you know, but... <clears throat> We keep hoping that Ferrari is going to show their hand. They're slipping dangerously behind in the points already. I mean, they're 74 points behind in the Constructors' Championship and Vettel's 35 points behind in the drivers, uh, with a lot of drivers breathing right down his neck. I mean, right down his neck. Um, I'm still waiting to see Leclerc dust Vettel off. Yes. And, um, which is coming, <laughs> for sure. And, uh, no, I think that Barcelona's got quite a few surprises. And I think the Honda might be quick enough through turns um, two, three, um, four, and five, and then up to and then eight, nine, ten, and eleven are very uh, Red Bull type corners. And if they get, if he can get right, if he can get out the front, he's going to be very difficult to overtake, like he was back when he beat Raikkonen. So, no, I think Barcelona could be a good race next week. All right, very good, David. Thank you once again, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again, David Hobbs, joining us on right. the Great Thanks, Midwest Steve. Bank Hotline. Thank you. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. We'll be back after this on the Final Inspection Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.